0: He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have Life. It couldn't be any clearer, plain as day, black and white. If God is life, and not just survival or existing, but true quality of life, the only way you get it is in His Son, who is Jesus.
1: A lot of people will say that God's standard for getting into heaven isn't fair. Why can't all the good people get in? Or at least the people who are good most of the time, like us? That 100% perfection thing is just too cruel. Pastor Daniel will be teaching about the reason that God has the standard he does. You're also going to learn about the way he made for you to be considered perfect, and therefore eligible to become part of his family. Now here's Pastor Daniel in 1 John chapter 5 as he continues his message, God is life. Jesus.
0: So these letters are being copied by candlelight under threat of punishment for 300 years. So there is the divine author who inspires the human author. So it's not like an ivory tower theologian who's just copying this stuff. They're underground making copies of this. And then think about it. If you look at every single work of antiquity, writings of antiquity, Go to any classics department in any university. Say, what has the most manuscripts of a writing of antiquity? And you know what they're going to tell you? The Bible. And the Bible has about seven times more manuscripts than the next nearest document, which is, you know what it was? Homer's the Iliad. And have you ever met someone who said, Homer didn't really write the Iliad that way? Have you ever? Anybody? No, right? Seven times more manuscript. the Bible's not really reliable. That's nuts. I remember in college hearing all this stuff and thinking to myself, I wonder why they don't want us to read the Bible so much. Ah, that's the question. The question is, is if you are here and saying, oh no, we can't trust the Bible because a, because a scribe at some juncture, there's not one manuscript with that verse in it before the 12th century. 1,200 years. So if you're going to say, because over 1,200 years, and this is still before the printing press, before a a, a picture was able to be taken, before a computer, the whole thing, you're going to say that one scribe writing something in a margin that makes is going to cause you to say that this whole book isn't reliable? Talk about intellectual dishonesty. Talk about a lack of logic. So if you're here today and you're saying, hey, I have logical issues with the reliability of the Bible, I'm telling you, you haven't done your homework at all. You don't have logical issues. You have moral issues. And the main moral issue, the main moral issue, and believe me, I had a PhD in this. The main moral issue is that you do not want Jesus to lord over you because you want to be your own Lord. But the thing is, is what you don't realize and what I didn't realize, and I'm so grateful that we're here talking about is this, is that when I think I'm my own Lord, I'm really not. There's actually somebody else who has lordship over me, and that's Satan. You given to your own devices is you are under the slavery of your own ideas. And think about, think about the ideas that you had 10 years ago. 15 years ago. Talk about, I mean, let's be honest. How are you doing? Lording your own life. Pretty destructive, right? pretty miserable, right? If you're here today and I'm speaking your language, I'm not knocking you. Please don't feel that. I've lived this too. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up hearing the Bible. I didn't grow up viewing myself and saying, my life is devoted to someone else, Jesus, who died on a cross for me. I didn't grow up with this stuff. So I know what it's like to do it the world's way, to do it my own way. And I know how empty it is. Believe me. I know what it's like to attain to my dreams only to find out that my dreams have a hole in the bottom of them and I can't enjoy any of it. Because once you play one huge gig with phenomenal musicians after it's over, if that's what you value yourself on, you got to play another and bigger one. If your identity is built on anything less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, you're going to find that you got a leaky pot. And I share that with you because it's so urgent for you to forsake that and turn to Jesus to find the fulfillment that you're looking for everywhere else. So don't think that because there's this disputed verse that you can throw out the Bible. That's just bad logic. And what's interesting is if you also go to a classic department and ask about the variations in the documentation of Homer's Iliad, you'll be even more shocked. Where was I? Jesus's incarnation, that's what verses 6 to 8 are all about. The blood and the water. Now notice, as Jesus's incarnation plus the Spirit's witness. Notice, it pops up in verse 6, and it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. And then verse 9, if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater, for this is the witness of God, which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself, for he does not believe God has made him a liar, because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. So the Holy Spirit's job is to bear witness, to testify. You think of someone in a court of law, you call a witness to bear testimony. The spirit of God's job is to bear witness to the reality of who Jesus is, to his incarnation, that the son of God came, lived a human life, although sinless, died a death in our place and is resurrected to newness of life. The spirit's job is to testify of that to us. Listen to Romans chapter eight, verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Amen is right. If you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Spirit of God lives within you, and you have this internal witness. Now, if you're here today and you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is working on you, but from the outside. Even right now you're here and maybe you're struggling with what I'm saying or you don't even understand what I'm saying or you're thinking, that guy's nuts or I don't agree with him. Or you might be saying, you know what? I think he's right. The spirit of God is doing that. I'm not doing that. And I believe that if you're in here today and you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, that you're here today for a reason. To hear this message. Don't let the spirit of God come in from the outside. You want him on the inside. Listen, I just went to visit my grandparents and my grandma, I love her. You know, and the way you love my grandma is by eating everything. There'd be nothing worse for me to show up at my grandma's house and say, listen, just stay on the outside. I'll feed you outside. Now, don't get me wrong. I take the food wherever I can get it. But when she invites you in her home and she says, oh, my Danny boy, the fridge is yours. And I say, thank you, Lord. You don't want the spirit on the outside, believe in Jesus and let him come into your heart and work on you from the inside out. When you have the incarnation of Jesus, plus the witness, the internal testimony of the Holy Spirit, that equals eternal life. Look at verse 11. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life he who does not have the son does not have life it couldn't be any clearer plain as day black and white if God is life and not just survival or existing but true quality of life the only way you get it is in his son who is Jesus we find our life in Christ In him. Jesus said it himself, John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you have the Son, if you put your faith and trust in him, if you've committed your life to following Jesus, walking in his footsteps, inspired by the Spirit, then you have life. Not you might have life, you have it. If you do not, even if you're alive, you're the walking dead. That's the biblical revelation. That is the heart of God. This is why Jesus came. Notice verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the son of God. Now I want to speak just to those of you in this room who've already put your faith and trust in Jesus. Listen, know that you have eternal life, know it. And Continue on. Don't stop and collect $200. Just keep going. Don't stop. Continue to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. True eternal life is nothing less than fellowship with the Father, with the Son, by the Spirit, and with his people. That's what eternal life is. Don't think that eternal life is later. It's now and later. So if you're here today, you put your faith and trust, man, you have eternal life. You have the life of God at work in your soul right now, and you get it later. I call that a double win. You're not giving up this life for the next life. You're getting this life, and you get the next life. That's a can't-miss investment. That's always in a bull market, always. No matter who's the president, that truth abides and that in every generation is the message of hope that eternal life if you put your faith and trust in Jesus is yours now and just keep on keeping on don't quit now look at verse 14 now this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will he hears us and if we know that he hears us whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother sinning a sin, which does not lead to death, he will ask and he will give him life for those who commit sin not leading to death. There is sin leading to death. I do not say that you should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin and there is a sin not leading to death. Now I realize Verse 16 and 17 is pretty confusing. Let me give you my equation first, and then I'll explain it. Confidence plus compassion equals answered prayer. Confidence plus compassion equals answered prayer. Confidence, you get from verses 14 and 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. The confidence is that if we pray in accordance with God's will, God will hear and act. Listen to what Jesus says. John fifteen seven: If you abide in me, And my words abide in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Now, notice this, and this is important because God is not a vending machine. You do not get everything you want. Sometimes the answer to our prayers is no. Now, some of you would say, oh, there it is. There is that justification on why you don't get the things you want. Listen, God's not a vending machine. He's a person. That's the difference. We want a vending machine, God. Why? Because we want what we want. We want it our way. We want it my way. We want it as quickly and efficiently and easily as possible. So we just want a vending machine, God. God, I want a bigger house. Boom. I want a bigger car. Boom. I want to get married. Boom. Boom, boom. You know, that's the way we want it. And when God doesn't do it, how many of us have strayed away from God because we asked God to do something and God said, no. How can there be a God? I asked for this. And sometimes God says no on the biggest of stages. Maybe there was a child who was ill, sick. You said, God healed and the church mobilized and prayed. But God took the child home. So easy to say, where was God? But then if we read God's word, it says, blessed in the eyes of the Lord or the death of his saints. Listen, I, I know that that's, if that's you, that hits really, really close to home, too close. But we don't get everything we want. We get everything we want when we pray in accordance with what God wants. The God whose ways are higher than our ways, whose thoughts are higher than our thoughts, who knows better than we know. And we have confidence. Brothers, listen, if you've lost a child, my grandmother lost her daughter at 49. She outlived my mom by 16 years at this point. Struggles. I always say to my grandma, we're not meant to bury our children. What's interesting is the system, the way God created it, death wasn't supposed to happen. It wasn't God's intention. So we're ill-equipped for it. I'm like, but grandma, God is a good God. And God's ways are good, and when it's all said and done, and we know him as we are known, no one's going to say, God, you did me wrong. I'm going to say, Lord, I didn't understand the beginning and the end. So we have confidence that if we pray in accordance with God's will, he hears us and he gives to us. But not only that, confidence plus compassion equals answered prayer. Because verses 16 and 17 deal with praying for somebody else. And I think one of the reasons we don't have fruitful prayer lives is because it gets pretty boring talking about ourselves the whole time. This talks about interceding for somebody else. And it's interesting if there's a differentiation between a sin leading to death and a sin not leading to death. And what that means is that for certain situations, there is a brother, somebody who believes in the Lord, who God takes that. Praying for recovery or restoration is in God's hands alone. We can't change that. Now, when do we know when that's happening? We don't know. So we always pray for recovery and restoration. Always. We always do. Unabashedly. We always do. But there are certain sins leading to death and certain ones that don't. But the key is is that in our prayer lives, we make room to be compassionate for others people who are struggling, people who have needs, people who are beaten up by life. You know what I like about this? John encourages the church he's writing to and all believers throughout the centuries to love people who aren't doing well spiritually. Do you realize that this room, this is a hospital, and the only difference is that the great physician dwells here spiritually through his spirit, but he isn't here physically we just get the other patients get to help us out. Pastor Bill in the back saying, amen to that. We are patients who are in the process of being healed, caring for one another. So we're all a little rough around the edges, aren't we? We all have things that God is working on in our lives. There's no perfect person in this room, except for the presence of Jesus by the Holy Spirit. But we should be moved with compassion for people who are messing up, struggling, struggling doing wrong. We say, oh, Lord, bless them. Lord, draw them back to you. Lord, give them power and grace to work through their issues. Because guess what? We all have them. And if you have confidence and ask according to God's will and compassion for other people, that equals answered prayer. And then finally, verses 18 to 21. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. In verse 21, little children, keep yourselves from Idols. And you close with the word Amen, which means so be it. Here's my final equation for the day. Guarding your heart plus divine revelation equals knowing God. Guarding your heart plus divine revelation equals knowing God. Where do I get guarding your heart from? This concept of keeping. Notice this. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself. Verse 19, we know that we are born of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And then verse 21, look at this. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. This idea of keeping or guarding, it speaks of idolatry. We need to guard our hearts. What that means is that we should not trust everything that passes through our hearts. Our hearts are often our own personal Judas. So we have to keep our hearts, guard it against idolatry. Listen to Proverbs 4.23. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Diligently keep your heart, because the issues of life spring not out of your circumstances, but out of your heart. How you respond to those circumstances. Listen to Jesus in John 17. First part of 12 and verse 15, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. See, if we don't guard our hearts, the wicked one has an avenue. And the wicked one loves to steal, kill, and destroy, to break our intimacy with God, our intimacy with other people, to steal our joy, If you're not guarding your heart, Satan's got an angle on you. So we need to put up guards against heart idolatry. But not only keeping your heart equals knowing God, but keeping your heart plus divine revelation. Notice what happens in these verses here. Verse 20, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, In his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. You see that? Jesus gives us an understanding. Brothers and sisters, when was the last time you said, God, I need understanding? Lord, reveal yourself to me. Unpack yourself to me. Lord, I am struggling with bitterness. But Lord, what are you doing in this situation? What are you trying to bear in my life through this? See, if we guard our hearts, keep ourselves from idolatry, and we allow the Lord to reveal himself to us and in us, that's where knowing God comes from. But for most of us, we struggle with guarding our hearts and we struggle with asking for revelation because we assume that we just know who God is, right? We just assume that we got it right. Oftentimes, we don't know that we don't know. Oftentimes other people realize that we don't know. We're just late to party. I want to close with this idea of knowing God real briefly. Look at what he says. That we may know him who is true. It's the end of verse 20. And we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. There may be no more unequivocal statement of the deity of Jesus in the New Testament than this one. Notice that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Jesus is the true God and eternal life. We do not get life from Jesus Jesus is the life, and as we are attached to him by faith, we get his life in us. And that is the hope of the gospel. Jesus is real.
1: So, we learned today that God is not a vending machine. He doesn't answer prayers the way we want just because we want it. Pastor Daniel reminded us how much God loves us, far beyond what we can comprehend, and works things for our best. He found out how much the Apostle John wants the members of the church to succeed in becoming the people of godly character that Jesus always wanted us to be. Hey everybody,
0: this is Pastor Daniel, and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy, and the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances.
1: You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Sadly, this brings us to the end of Pastor Daniel's series, God Is. We hope that it was a blessing to you, that it gave you a lot to think about and act on in your own life.